welcome back to this week's episode of the Movie Babble podcast. Here it's me, Brennan. I'm joined with Nick. No calling this week, but we'll uh, manage. We got some great stuff to chat about. Obviously, we took a break for Easter last weekend. Hope everyone had a good week. But we're back and we got uh, some really good topics to cover. So, firstly, Nick, welcome on. Uh, how was your Easter last weekend and how have you been? It's great. Movie theaters are back, Brennan. I'm really excited to talk about all things Kong. Uh, this wonderful stupid movie that it is <laughs> it's good how are you doing uh you know i think it's a tale of two you know two different coins there because you know movie theaters for us not quite back we're struggling a little bit here in the late stages of covid19 the vaccine rollout's been slow it's picking up but it has been very slow so it's it's a little bit of a different story but um I'm glad things are looking better in the U.S. And it seems like the way things are rolling out, uh, you guys are having like your best period yet of the pandemic. And it's good to end strong, but we're certainly up here in Canada limping to that finish line after starting so good and after managing so well. But it, it is what <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, the U.S. is really uh, finishing strong here. That's for sure. <laughs> after, after 16 months. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is what it is. Uh, but we'll get into it here. So We're going to talk some Kong. We got some other good stuff as well. Firstly, let's just dive into those box office numbers because I think that's the most exciting thing of this movie. Weirdly, I think it's just looking at the numbers that it generated because we've been so deprived on box office mojo. Um, A a site that I used to look at religiously, daily even, I just, it laid dormant for me for months. So sad. But finally, uh, we have some numbers that resemble normal life, right? So last weekend, um godzilla versus kong made 32 million at the domestic box office and that was just in the weekend obviously so it came out on the wednesday so in its five-day easter opening it made 48 million dollars far surpassing predictions which were between the 30 to 40 range for the five-day opening um honestly this is fantastic and i mean following a week where it opened up to like 122 million overseas and it's just continuing to triumph overseas um this movie's really on a roll so yeah last weekend big numbers what, what was your kind of take last weekend seeing those easter numbers come out i was really really surprised honestly i think it's it's a confluence of a few things like one what was the last big movie that we had probably wonder woman in soul on christmas day right um and even those like they were right to streaming like i mean so was godzilla and Kong's on hbo max but I feel like there was just a different vibe around that. And I feel like the weather is starting to get a little nicer here. People are excited. They're getting their vaccines. Uh, so they're really excited to go out to the theaters and see a movie like uh, Godzilla and Kong, which is like, it demands that you see this on the biggest screen possible. You know, if you're not seeing this on the IMAX screen, like, what are you doing? When I was watching this on HBO Max, I was a little sad because it's like, damn, the last person in my family not to get a shot yet and I just have to wait uh, in my apartment until I can get my vaccines again and then then go out to theaters but um, it was really amazing to me I was really surprised yeah and you know just me kind of looking at it from an analytic standpoint you're right looking back to those other movies I think we had uh, we had Wonder Woman come out uh, Christmas Day on HBO Max and then also theaters theaters were very limited but it still turned out 16 million I believe over its first weekend um, which is not too shabby. And I mean, you look at those numbers, they didn't release the day by day, but they said 16 million for the Wonder Woman first weekend. I was thinking, okay, so that suggests that it probably had at least one $5 million day in there. And I was looking at Kong and I said, if it makes 25 million over five days, I'll be happy because that means it'll it'll make 5 million a day on average for five days, which 
theoretically would be five of the pandemic's best days. Instead, it doubles my estimates. And uh, well, that was kind of my base level, but it really did double what I was thinking was going to happen here. And it really did turn out uh, some big money. And it really is on par with uh, Easter releases from years prior, right? Which is really impressive. Um, Warner, or yeah, Warner Bros. had a little bit of an issue with the Canada rollout because I think in the US right now, 90% of theaters are going to be open to play this film, whereas in Canada, it's about 24%. Um, so, so it's much less. I got to go see it at a drive-in. The audio wasn't the best, so I do want to try to check it out again. Hopefully, if things get better in the next month or so, I, I hear Warner Bros. wants to keep this kind of as long as they can in theaters. So I'll probably try to get out to see it at some point when things get better. But uh, it, it was still a fun time. Yeah, these numbers were insane. So we'll jump to this weekend now. So a weekend later, and it was expected to drop pretty steadily. And it made um, nearly $14 million this weekend, which we were looking at the numbers from the other MonsterVerse movies. That's not a bad drop at all. Yeah, it really isn't. And so on the, the total gross is already on par with King of the Monsters, which is nuts. That movie made $366 million worldwide, I believe. And this is already at $357 after two weeks. So I, first of all, that just shows you how much people did not like King of the Monsters. And also just, I think the general, the general perception of this movie is that it's pretty good. People are excited about it. And I think they're just excited to be able, be actually, be, be able to go out and see a movie again. So um, yeah, 58% is not bad. The rest of them were right around that 55 range, something like that. So mm -hmm. uh, it's really, really good for it. Yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I was expecting a bigger drop just because I really felt like this would be a movie that everyone was going to see just to kind of capitalize on that kind of event last weekend, because it really did feel like it on social media. I know, like, I don't know if you noticed that, but on the Twitter feed, it just really felt like people were going, even not there, even Instagram, seeing people talking about it. Um, my mom, she was even talking about it. Like, like people are, I felt like it, it felt like more of an event than, um, what we've seen in a long time we've been deprived of that but no people are still coming back to see it this weekend which is pretty impressive and that 58 percent drop is much better than king of the monsters 68 percent drop it's better than 2014's uh godzilla's 67 percent drop so it's a very respectable drop for this movie and i do expect it to pass 100 million in north america which is just crazy and it really does signal um, that people do want to get out to the theaters again. And uh, this is the type of movie that it's, it, it's one that you do have to see in theaters. Um, I do want to talk quickly, though, about Warner Bros., HBO Max. They are looking like geniuses at this point. Um, obviously, 2022, they're not going to be doing the same sort of deal with uh, day-in-date theaters plus HBO Max, but they are this year for every single release. And they look like geniuses. How do you have a movie on HBO Max, something with millions of users, and still make $48 million over five days at the box office? I just, I'm a little baffled, um, but they do look really good right now. It's really smart. I, part of me wonders if that means HBO Max doesn't have a ton of subscribers, you know, because people are still trying to go out to the theaters for it. But it's a great move. And also, like, all these movies are leaving the service after a month. So especially for this movie, if Warner Brothers plans to keep it in theaters for as long as possible. Having it not on HBO Max anymore after that month window is open, I think could really prolong its life in theaters and even into like close to the summer months, which it's really good business. I think it, there's a lot of different conversations about the creative side of this 
where a lot of it seems like a lot of the directors and people behind a lot of these movies just weren't aware that this was happening until Warner Brothers made the, the press release. So that's that's a little fucked up. And I think there's also talk about like stuff in contracts where like I wanted to have this in theaters. So they're kind of trying to work around that a little bit. But um, as a pure business move, it's I think it's really smart and one of the more flexible decisions we've seen throughout the pandemic. Yeah. And it's also good for the consumer. I mean, you have to obviously you got to respect some of these directors' wishes of wanting in theaters. But I also have to think of the people who have been going through recession like economy right and it, it's not easy and maybe you don't want to go and spend 15 bucks or 10 10 to 15 bucks at the theaters and you just want to watch it in hbo max so i think it's in that way it's really nice on the consumer uh, in a tough economic time right now and just to have both options there is just it's 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 smart and i just really didn't see this coming i mean you're right maybe hbo max doesn't have a ton of subscribers but i i i would think they would have a few million i i, I don't know what they're at but i would think at least a few million there. I mean, I know the the buzz around uh, uh, Justice League was pretty big. I think that showed that they have some sort of base on HBO Max there. But yeah, I mean, all we can really say is they look like geniuses. And as you said, 30 days on HBO Max and theaters, and then after that, it leaves HBO Max. So I think that's the last day of April to leave. And really, you look at um, the box office and what's coming out, there's nothing coming out in May until like the last weekend. So you're right. This could really live long into May um, until we see at the end of the month, uh, Cruella come out. And then we see in June, some more other movies come out. So yeah, this, this really does look like it's, it's going to withstand. And it's, it's pretty exciting to see as just someone who loves numbers. <laughs> you love those numbers. Yeah. I think that the next big uh, movie is probably Mortal Kombat, right? That comes out sometime right. this month, okay. which is another Warner Brothers movie. So like they're kind of the, the, the big boys in the market right now where they had just all of these movies banked and ready to go pretty much with the, maybe some post-production to do, which you can do remotely and whatnot. But um, they just had all these movies kind of just waiting around. And if, I mean, none of us wanted this pandemic to last for as long as it has, but I think they've made a really good go of it just in terms of getting this out there and making all their platforms as flexible as possible. It's just, yeah. I just think it's, it's just a smart move by them. Yeah, so Mortal Kombat on April 23. So I do I do agree that that's the next big one for sure, but it is very niche, I think. I think it's a movie that will attract yeah. them. Yeah, it, it's a little bit more niche. I think it's one that if it had good word of mouth, you'll probably see it balloon a little more. But uh, you're right. That is certainly the next big one. I missed that yeah. there. Yeah, Mortal Kombat is something I have no attachment to because I don't. Th- I've I've never seen the original or it's really bad uh, sequel, um, but apparently bad. I haven't seen it. But um, and, yeah, I just have no attachment to that. But it seems like people who do like those movies and like all of the stuff associated with Mortal Kombat are really excited. So I agree. I think it's like a. It's not like a micro audience because it's way too big for that, but it's it's very um, the people are, who like it are very very excited for it. Exactly, yeah, and I do expect it to uh, definitely definitely make some waves for sure. But besides that, I mean, you do have the um, the Spiral movie that saw a movie coming out in May. Oh yeah, um, which is another movie that is it, it's not a it's not a blockbuster, but it's another movie that's going to make some money. But really, I do think. Godzilla versus Kong has six weeks to play, seven weeks to play, really, at the theaters. 
before it gets any massive competition. Maybe it won't be first when, when these other movies come out, but it will still draw audiences. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And even me, someone who is waiting to finally get to see it in the theater, I'll probably go see it in June if it's still playing, July if it's still playing. So um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a pretty neat thing. And HBO and Warner Bros, they just, they look really good right now. And uh, it's, it's a really smart pandemic play. And I'm excited to see how Cruella does and how Black Widow does, especially considering um, they have that Disney Plus release as well. I think they'll probably be heavier with their theater intake because they're the movies that cost 30, 30 bucks on Disney Plus, right? Like it's not like an HBO Max straight to, right? It's 30 bucks. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what happens um, with those films, but I'm excited and I think we can look forward to see seeing a somewhat of a normal or just um, a little bit more of an exciting summer on box office mojo as someone who loves to check that <laughs> out. I'll, I'll be back on religiously again every day. <laughs> yeah, me too. I haven't, it's been a minute we were before we got on here. I was like, wait, how do I work this site again? Cause it's been, it's been a really long time for me, but yeah, I think, and we've talked before how it's like the blockbusters are, are going to control movie theaters futures. Um, but especially now while, we'll while the pandemic is still going on, I think all the bigger movies are really the only movies that have a good chance in theaters. Because this week we saw a movie called Voyagers from Lionsgate, um, which looked like a Lord of the Flies PG-13 young adult ripoff of Claire Denis' High Life from a few years ago. Um, but that movie made uh, like 1.3 million in 2000 theaters this week. So uh, that, that was kind of, it's one of those, it's like, it's not quite a blockbuster. It's definitely not a low budget movie. It's a space movie. They like a lot of production design in there. It's got some people in it. Colin Farrell is in it. Ty Sheridan, um, Lee Rose Depp. So it's kind of one of those tweeners that I think has been struggling in theaters for the past few years anyway. But I think movies like that just have no shot until there's like no no signs of a pandemic around us. I agree. 100% agree. I do agree there. And I did want to point out real quick, just before we move on to actually talking about the movie, just real quick. Um, I think one good thing that Godzilla versus Kong can look at is how these other movies are doing. The marketplace is incredibly uh, thin right now. There aren't too many options out there. So what does that do? That makes a movie like Nobody have just a 12% drop this weekend. The Unholy, a 23% drop. Ray and the Last Dragon had a boost of 5% this weekend from last weekend. People are going to see what's at the movies again. There isn't much. So people are going to see these movies that are out. So the drops are very low. We have, uh, th this is very unusual to see drops like this, right? Like Tom and Jerry, 20%. Um, Chaos Walking, 28%. Movies are in improving. The Crudes improved 9% this weekend from last. So yeah, I mean, I think they should be optimistic on the next few weeks. Movies are back. We're ready. Theaters are back, put a thousand more of them around the country, ready to go. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so let's get into the movie. So uh, firstly, what was your take on uh, um, Mecha Godzilla? <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. It was really, really fun. Uh, when they had, the, uh, when they brought out like the, the bionic roar, that was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Now this movie is uh, unbelievably stupid. And I think considering how well it's done, I think that's kind of what everyone wanted from it. Like everyone just wanted 
to have Godzilla and Kong fight each other in broad daylight. <laughs> with, there's no obstruction around them, no snow or darkness like there was in uh, King of the Monsters with uh, all those monster fights. They just want just beautiful, beautiful fights. And uh, this movie does that. The last 45 minutes of this movie are pure schlock and it's, it's lovely. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, it's like the Fast and Furious of big monster movies. Like we are, we are so far away from when like Godzilla was this big metaphor for nuclear destruction and Kong is this big look at uh, colonialism and racism. It's just, we're, we're not even thinking about that. We're just going to have these two things smash into each other and just destroy all of Hong Kong. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like it gave the end of Man of Steel run for its money and the amount of destruction because they are, they completely level Hong Kong. Just hilarious to me. <laughs> that's hilarious that you bring that movie up because I watched it this week for the first time since theaters, Man of Steel, like eight years. Really? Yeah, it's funny. And I, I noticed that right away. I'm like, damn, they really uh, took out this city, man. <laughs> buildings are just, every building's just dominoes. Um, but you know, you're right. They leveled Hong Kong. But I, I love that neon, uh, that neon look of the, the city. That was really nice to see. Good little backdrop. Um, even the... Because we really only had two major fight scenes with them, but both were kind of all out, right? There weren't too many teases. Like even the ocean sequence that is kind of being played in all the trailers, I think they gave us a lot there. Um, for me, I was satisfied. I think the audio for me is what made it a little underwhelming just because the roar sounded like it was busting my car speakers. But for the most part, I was pretty satisfied. And I think seeing it again at some point just hopefully in a theater or in the basement or something surround sound i think it would uh be good yeah and it sounds like they really took a lot of the feedback from king of the monsters to heart because right this movie was pushed back i mean before it got pushed back to now it was pushed back what six months because Mm -hmm. of just extensive reshoots and you can tell because a lot of it because there's two things that you can really tell that they they had to like change or get rid of stuff because kyle chandler who is one of the main characters of of the last movie he has like two scenes in this movie where he talks to millie bobby brown and then there's another one with um where lance reddick is in this movie and he's in the opening credits and it's like ah starring lance reddick and it's right after like Damian bashir who's like the lead villain and all these other people that have pretty big roles in this and he has maybe one line of dialogue yeah. in the entire movie so clearly there was a lot of stuff on like cutting room floor there and it was it seemed like they because what is the the Godzilla Corporation? Is that Monarch? Yeah, Monarch, what they're yeah. called. So it seems like they cut out a lot of that stuff from whatever this cut of the movie is, and then just yeah. focused on like because it's a lot of the movie is just Kong in an entirely CGI landscape, just kind of fucking shit up. <laughs> so I feel like you can. That was maybe a good move to make to get away from the like the human element of it all. You're right. And they were able to keep it under two hours, which is good for a film like this, right? Yeah. Because normally uh, this kind of movie is like 215, 215 mm-hmm. plus. Like you, it seems like they just trimmed all of the fat out of this movie. Yeah. And I mean, I appreciate that. And the monarch, yeah, you're right. It, it seemed like they had a lot of ideas and they, just, they, were, they were missing something. Um, so you're probably right. They cut it a lot there. The Millie Bobby Brown, Julian Dennison, and Brian Tyree Henry aspects of the film was that engaging for me uh, they go on their kind of like side quest throughout the movie to kind of like try to expose monarch or whatever and those are three charming people that are fun to watch on screen but it's not it, it wasn't really much it was kind of the moments of the movie where i would be able to um 
get some snacks out. <laughs> yeah, that's the. Uh, I I immediately thought of uh, the 2018 Halloween where it starts with the podcasters because Brian Tyree has yeah. the like the crackpot podcaster trying to yeah like blow the lid off of this conspiracy it's um it's weird we're in an age now i guess we're at some point we're gonna be lampooned in a movie so yeah. <laughs> uh, i guess let's, let's choose our words wisely <laughs> yeah good stuff but yeah i mean it's it's not it's probably not my favorite of the monster verse um i think the 2014 godzilla i think there's a lot of good work there and while the movie doesn't for me like feel completely satisfying i think it's nice to look at and it's it's a good movie i think it's executed pretty well and even skull island i think it's very fun to watch i think it's one of the more fun blockbusters of recent memory um and king of the monsters is really messy but like i enjoyed it in imax that's all i can really say <laughs> so i mean <laughs> this movie kind of lands for me somewhere in the middle of them all like it's it's one that i'm enjoying in the moment and it's 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 really cool to see everyone kind of rallying around this thing right now um, but it's it's not anything super great. And I don't think anyone really expected it to be. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm in the same mode as you. I feel like I might, I haven't watched it in a while. So I'm interested to see how I feel about it when I revisit it. But the 2014 Godzilla has kind of rose in my estimation a little bit, um, which is kind of funny to think about when you, when you compare that movie to this movie, where the 2014 Godzilla is very self-serious. That movie is like, we're going to fight Godzilla with tanks and all of these, like they try to be very uh, tactile and real with it. And then we're in this movie, we're flying a, we're flying a gravity ship into the center of the earth. <laughs> Quick moving, uh, very fast developing technology. <laughs> yeah. They did, they did a really good job in combating all of these crazy Titans. I mean, I guess when the, they destroy entire cities in each of these movies, you kind of have to do that, but um, I'm in the same boat with you where, I, I I really I need to watch more of them, but I really appreciate some of the older Japanese Godzilla movies. I think those are terrific, and especially like the first King Kong is just it's great. It's one of the, like the landmark movies ever made. Um, there's a little there's like a little there there, you know, kind of back to like it, like these things actually stand for something. Um, but you know, like I was in the middle of a tough work week for me when this came out. Uh, it came out on a Wednesday. I got to see two things destroy everything two big monsters just beat each other and then um uh one of my favorite parts was when uh kong like popped his shoulder back into place oh, <laughs> on the building <laughs> that was good like he just has just dumb stuff like that you know it's i'm here i like to champion uh capital c cinema but sometimes you just kind of need a palate cleanser like this mm -hmm. this is i feel like this movie just it knows exactly what it is and adam wingard was a really smart um director choice for this because he works in a lot of genre filmmaking i love the guest for people who haven't seen that um but he just he knows how to deal with a genre and he knows what parts what makes it really cool and he knows how to add little flourishes to it all so um this movie's not it's nothing special but it's it's you get exactly what it um it markets so right that, that's some kind of win in my book exactly so that is godzilla versus kong we're going to keep seeing it roar at the box office maybe maybe all the way to 500 million dollars who knows but certainly to at the very least 400 to 450 so very exciting stuff for movies so we'll move on to some recent movies you watched so what's something you've watched this week maybe a new release um i unfortunately watched thunder force which was the new uh movie that came to netflix from it's the latest 
uh, collaboration between Melissa McCarthy and her husband, Ben Falcone. Uh, and it's really bad. Uh, <laughs> I really wish I watched literally anything else, but, but uh, I guess just a quick summary of it. It's, it's a superhero movie. It's a comedy superhero movie. So stars Octavia Spencer and Melissa McCarthy. They're childhood friends. They've, they've grown apart. Uh, they come back together again. Um, Octavia Spencer, Spencer is this big scientist who's um, trying to develop superhero powers because the whole um, conceit of this movie is that there was some big cosmic ray event in the 80s which came down the earth and it only made super villains so it like there was like all these like uh, mutations that caused in people but it only hyped people that were kind of genetically disposed to be sociopaths so I thought that was kind of a fun idea at first, right? Because it's a world where only supervillains exist, which is kind of fun to me. Um, but after that, it's just a lot of kind of lazy gags where Melissa McCarthy falls uh, falls on herself a lot and kind of is a little obnoxious in scenes. And then um, that's kind of the movie. <laughs> that's really, really it. Basically, Octavia Spencer is creating this serum. Melissa McCarthy accidentally injects herself with it. She She gains super strength. So then um, they're like, well, uh, she's here now. She has superpowers. So let's, let's you and I uh, fight evil together. So it's Octavia Spencer, who's uh, invisible. Melissa McCarthy has uh, super strength and they fight uh, bad people. And uh, Jason Bateman has, claw, has uh, crap hands. Nice. And, uh, that's, that's the movie. <laughs> they have an evil uh, Bob Cannavale as the mayor, who's clearly a villain from the first time you see him. And he had, he's uh, he's a super villain, um, so it's kind of it. He fits the I, bill. I, when I, yeah, when I watched the movie, it really felt like, you know, when you watch like, I'm thinking of like these really famous Blu-rays. Like if you watch Anchorman, they have all the special features on the Blu-ray where it's all these extended scenes of stuff that they cut from the movie, and some of them are kind of funny but then there's some that were like very very overly long improv scenes that don't really add much to the movie and aren't really aren't really that funny yeah. you know you know those kind of scenes i'm talking about and yeah. then uh you watch that and you're like uh, I'm, I'm glad they cut that from the movie because that really doesn't work uh and this movie feels like that's the entire movie where it's scenes they should have cut uh because they just didn't work and they don't really do much for to further the plot uh but that's just what's the final product of the movie instead of a special feature uh, so um yeah it's i uh i, I wasted a lot of time <laughs> it's trending pretty good on netflix isn't it yeah i think it's like number one this week yeah i mean it makes sense i really like melissa mccarthy yeah. i think she's a great actress i think she's hilarious but she just needs to stop working with her husband i, I hope they have a lovely marriage i really hope they do but uh like, oh, I can run down the movies that they've made together. So they made Tammy, The Boss, yeah. Life of the Party, Super Intelligence, and now Thunder Force. All those movies, I'd say, are pretty bad. It's on Maybe her bottom not. half of her career. Yeah. She, the, the like, she needs to like, start working with Paul Feig some more or work with other people. Uh, I think Ben Valcone is fun when he shows up in movies. He's always fun as like a weird cameo where he gets to make a few jokes. I like him. There's just like the pairing doesn't work. Uh, it, it's just uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like they need. To, I hope they're. I hope they have a long, prosperous relationship together. But they need to go their separate ways creatively. Because I think <laughs> I think Melissa McCarthy is just. 
I think she's too funny and I think she gets a bad rap because she's in a lot of these movies that her husband makes that aren't very good. Uh, I would like to see her in funnier and funnier stuff because I think she's delightful, but I don't know. <laughs> this movie just was not good at all. Uh, well, that is um, that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Let's move on. Move on. <laughs> Force. I mean, it is it is trending. It's trending here too. I believe. I think it's like up there. But I mean, it makes sense, right? Melissa McCarthy, original Netflix movie. How yeah. could it not? I feel like I feel like that's the move for Netflix. Whenever there's they get a movie with a star and it, it immediately trends. Like, yeah. Um, I'm thinking there's another movie that just came out recently, Concrete Cowboy, which has Idris Elba in it, so that immediately yeah. goes into the top ten. And that's different. That's a different situation because I actually like that movie. That movie's pretty good. Um, but um, they just they find these movies where they can put a star in the middle and they can put that on like the, the little icon mm-hmm. on your home screen. And you'd be like, "Wow, Melissa McCarthy's in this movie. I guess I better watch it." And then it's not a very good movie. <laughs> yeah, I got to watch Concrete Cowboy. I mean, it's, it was at TIFF last year, and it was one of the ones I was maybe going to watch, but I didn't end up choosing it because I knew Netflix was going to put that out. But uh, yeah, I got to got to see that soon. So the movie that I watched this week is one from came out in fall of last year on Hulu. Hulu's not here, so it came out uh, Netflix internationally last week. I think it's like number like five on Canadian Netflix right now, really doing well. And that is Run, Anish Chaganti's new thriller starring Sarah Paulson. Um, really good. I mean, I enjoyed it. It's it, For me, it's not as good as Searching. He's obviously the director of Searching. So this is his second feature film now. Um, it also stars Kira Allen, who uh, does very well in this movie. And as you said, fun fact about her was she's the first lead uh, kind of just solely wheelchair, wheelchair actress since what, the 1940s or something like that, you said? Yeah, I can't remember what the movie is, but yeah, she's one of the um, she's one of the first wheelchair bound actresses mm-hmm. to lead a movie it's in that in that time period, which is really cool. It's just a really fun just change for representation in film, and she's great in the movie. I want to see her at more things, but yeah, yeah, they put her through a lot of pretty extensive stuff in this film as well. I wouldn't have guessed that that like that she is actually wheelchair bound because she does go to some good lengths in this movie. Um, and, and I mean, she's great. Like, it's it's really cool to hear about that. That's really neat. Um, this is a fun thriller, right? And I, I think, obviously, you saw it back in the fall or whatever. Um, I didn't quite like it as much as Searching. That's a movie I absolutely loved when it first came out. Um, this movie, uh, so, so it's fun, but I just feel like there's, it's, it's just kind of missing that. Uh, I think we talked about this before we got on, but you're kind of waiting for something to really take a turn in this movie kind of late on that kind of makes you go wow I mean searching had that element but I am really excited for this director right he's only 30 years of age and uh he's made two really good thrillers in my opinion so I'm, I'm excited to see what he does from this point out um but yeah so what what do you remember from this film did you enjoy it back when you saw it I did I, f- I felt similar to you where it's really well crafted and you're really into it the entire time but you've you're thinking, okay, I've seen this movie. This is like five, like three, four, five movies that I know really well kind of stitched together. And I'm waiting for it to become something more than that, uh, which it never truly does, but it's still pretty thrilling the entire time. And Sarah Paulson's really going for it and really good in the movie. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just, this guy, I think he's going to go on and make an all-timer which I know people, I'm not as, I'm not as crazy about searching as some people. I think it's really good, but I think some people were like over, like over the moon for that movie. But 
I think at some point he's going to make like an all-time movie. Because like you said, he's only 30, which is nuts. If you read his backstory, he's just had, like he's, he worked for Google. Yeah. For the, he was in their creative department. He made a lot of commercials for them. And then he's just like, no, nah, I'm just going to go out and make movies. <laughs> and now he's made two really successful movies that people really like. So um, it's kind of like him and Jordan Peele are kind of the two horror thriller guys right now who are off making their own projects it's it's really cool i think he's really talented and he like there's the one scene where Kira allen is crawling uh, across the the roof in this movie that i think is terrific that's the one uh, man mm-hmm. yeah it, there's just so much tension in that uh, he's a really he's a really good director of actors uh he is like both all the performances in, in all of his movies especially this one are really good um he's this is a really it's a really it's not a movie run is also a movie that i'm not wild about but it's just like there's so much good stuff in it where you know he's gonna make something or he'll make something that i really like at some point yeah and i mean um i think with searching for me i'm one of those people that was really super high on searching i think it like almost made my top 10 of 2018 like it was really on the cusp there so i really did dig it um and that's a movie that went on to make 75 million at the box office. It didn't even cost a million to make. Right. And I mean, I, I think what you say about this movie, it feels like a lot of other movies put together and you're kind of waiting for it to come into its own. Um, I, I do feel that as well. I think with searching the element of it being like solely on like a computer screen, I think that probably maybe blinds you from the fact that maybe this movie does follow tropes of other movies. Um, but it does do that. Well, um, yeah, I agree. I think this guy's going to go on to do some big things. Um, but yeah, the movie itself, I mean, you got Sarah Paulson. She's kind of this, well, she's this obsessed, um, obsessed. I wouldn't say obsessed. She's definitely got some issues there, but she's got her daughter there who um, she's been, she's been tranking in the leg with some, some dog meds that have been kind of numbing her <laughs> legs for her whole life. And she doesn't know it. And she's slowly starting to pick up on, you know, maybe like, there's something different about my mom. <laughs> like, what, like, what's going on with me here? And there was that one scene where um, she's in the pharmacy and she's she goes to talk to the pharmacist and she's like, "What are these pills?" Like, my like, what are these pills? And she, the pharmacist reveals that they're uh, dog medicine and that that's kind of what. And then you kind of come to the realization that's what she's been Sarah Paulson's been giving her daughter this whole time. Really good scene that scene as well. Yeah, there's there's so many scenes that are filled with really good tension in that. I mean, especially that scene because it's cross cutting between uh, Sarah Paulson at the movies and realizing that okay, maybe something else is up here instead of her just going to the bathroom. Um, it's really good at ratcheting tension. But um, yeah, he just he just knows how to make a movie at this point. Really, I would love to see. I'm really fascinated to see what he does next. It's um, because God, there's just a few scenes where Sarah Paulson is really going for it in this movie. <laughs> she's just really good she, she's um, she always can, she, she's always really yeah, swinging but, for the fence definitely but it's it's um i haven't seen a lot of her horror stuff so maybe that's why it stood, it stood out to me i didn't i don't really watch american horror story or anything like that so um i didn't watch the uh the terrible looking uh nurse ratchet uh origin story on netflix what was that called just ratchet right yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but she i think he just um moves that character so well throughout the movie because that's another one right where we've seen the overprotective mother figure in horror movies for how many years and i mean that reverberates even back to like psycho and stuff like that so um he's just he's he's this movie is pure hitchcock and a lot of that was with search searching as well so uh, he's just 
he's got a lot of good tricks up his sleeve. I dig, I dig it. Mm-hmm. Certainly. And I did want to go before we go, very niche little statement here, but this director here, Anish Shikanti, he's really setting up his own cinematic universe. <laughs> About eight minutes into this movie, uh, Kara Allen's character's just on the computer looking at things. And I see in the bottom left, a picture of uh, a redhead kind of stock image girl. And right away, I remember in searching that uh, girl with the username fish and chips that's used to uh, use to kind <laughs> of um, lure the, the daughter there of John Chu. Right. And that, that got me right there. So he, he's, they, he used the same girl for both movies. He's making his own cinematic universe. I love when uh, directors do that. I mean, there's the obnoxious version of that too, where it's like, I'm thinking of, I can't think of it, but there's some really stupid Shyamalan thing where he's like, um, hey, remember this other great movie that I made? And it's it's not very good, but I can't remember what it is at the top of my head. But uh, I, I really enjoy that when they have like little nods to the other stuff. It's just a fun little little meta thing, like their own universe that they're creating inside their own heads over however many years. I think that stuff is neat. Reminds me of Hubie Halloween. <laughs> the cinematic universe. I'm really looking forward to the next movie in the TV Halloween universe. Okay. I'm really um, looking forward to um, when we, we start crossing between movies and, and TV shows, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really looking forward. I think that's more of like a phase five thing for Hubie, but uh, really looking forward <laughs> to it. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's Run, and um, that is Thunder Force as well. So now we'll go on to this week's segment of the um, kind of our – I guess. What are we going to call it this week? What do you got, Nick? Um, do we decide on Babel Movie Club? Exclamation point. I mean, if not, I can just come up with another name. Why not? That's pretty good. We'll hold on to that this week. Just so, all, all hail mads, I guess, in this case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, introduce us. What do we got this week? This was your pick. Uh, yeah, so this week I got everyone to watch The Hunt. Uh, not the most talked about movie of 2020 uh but the the danish film from 2012 starring mads mickelson and a couple other people that we just saw in uh, thomas winterberg's another round and this movie is also directed by tom uh, by thomas winterberg um and this is a uh i guess what would you, this is probably one of the more celebrated like contemporary international films probably right it seems i think the imdb rating for this movie is eight point something it's off the charts people really like it but um i chose it because i'm trying to make a like a real um i'm really trying to like knock down and watch all of like the big time international films that i haven't gotten to in my life uh, so i'm trying to do that now and this is on my list i just watched in the mood for love for the first time as well and that was lovely um but yeah this movie is uh, a tricky little one it's about uh, Mads Mikkelsen who works in the kindergarten and he is he has a really tender relationship with um, his really good buddy's daughter um, it's really sweet um, walks her back from school when her parents are late and not picking her up and didn't pick her up and stuff like that and um, basically there's a there's a big rumor starts around the town that uh, he sexually abused this kid and it's kind of we go from there and I don't really want to spoil stuff about it but it's just this really gut-wrenching uh, tough movie about um, just hysteria and what the truth really means and it's a uh, it's it's definitely not a, a comfortable movie to watch but I think it's really terrific so what did you think of it? 
Yeah, I mean, this is firstly off the top. I mean, good relevant pick, right? Vinterberg just got nominated for best director. So, I mean, this was, I mean, yeah. when else are we going to watch The Hunt, right? That was another reason where I was like, I need to watch more Vinterberg movies because another round is just such a banger. <laughs> so I had to get around his other ones too exactly um this movie i liked more than another round and it's it's certainly one that makes you feel a lot more than that movie i think i think a lot of this movie is really tough to watch um you're almost cringing at times or wincing even at times at some things that happen in this movie it's just you see a character here that i mean obviously these allegations spread as you um alluded to but then you kind of see everything that happens after that uh maybe even hysteria that comes about from it in the town, just kind of just how things just kind of spread. And it's very, very, very interesting to watch and certainly uh, tough to watch at times, as I said, but Mads Mikkelsen is great in this movie. Uh, he's, he's just phenomenal. And um, I laugh because I had no idea what this movie was about going into it. Like I'm trying to do that for these. <laughs> I didn't either, either. Mm -hmm. I just knew that people, I just knew people liked it. So it was, and I had, I bought it on Blu-ray for inexplicably. So I was like, all right, I just gotta, I gotta sit down and watch this eventually. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to do that right for these weekly, um, weekly movies you watch. And I had no idea. I mean, I skimmed, I didn't, I didn't even skim it. I just, my eyes saw it as I was going to press play the word kindergarten teacher. That's all I really knew. And yeah, it is a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's it was definitely not what I expected at all, just based off the title, and that's kind of the beauty of titles. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> but it was yeah. uh, it was great. I mean, I just I'm floored by it, and it's a movie that I would certainly revisit not soon, but it's a movie that I recommend just on the basis that it's it's good filmmaking. Um, it, it's incredibly engaging in a way that it really keeps you on the edge of your seat throughout it it's not a movie that is super slow paced even it's it's pretty good paced and it's really just um one that you want to see where it goes next at every single turn and that's what kind of keeps you going with this movie it, it's phenomenal yeah there's i love vinterberg's directing style because you're right he really is amazing at getting you to hang on each word that all of the actors say so there's like a there's a few scenes in this uh, movie where it's just people talking to each other for what like five minutes, and obviously like the subject matter is pretty tough, but it's just he just locks you in to these scenes, and then there's a few moments where I because his the cinematography in these in his movies aren't super stylized for the most part at least with another round in the hunt, but there's a few moments here where. Um, I don't know what he, I don't know what it's called, but it's not, it's not, it's not a fisheye lens that he, that he, or that he turns to, but there's a few moments where he changes to a different lens, lens on the camera. And it, I like, it like makes the, the surround, the surroundings of um, Mads Mikkelsen just look a little warped. And there's like a little bit of, um, you, get, you get a really good sense of paranoia and hysteria just in his, in his face. And it's really good. Um, but yeah, it's this. It's kind of it's a really tough movie. Um, just the the subject matter, but I think there's a lot of emotional truth in it as well. Because it's there's a there's a worse version of this movie where um, the Mads Mikkelsen character they kind of play it more ambiguous. You know, like oh, did this actually happen or did it not? But this movie is definitely no. He's a very good person. This did not happen. Um, but it's more about the hysteria that follows. And um, right, yeah, it's just. It's, I think it's, there's definitely conversations I think people would have about, like, there's some bad takes about like, oh, so uh, 
is this movie telling us not to believe survivors or th- of anything of any abuse or things like that? And I, I don't think that's what this movie's getting at. I think it's more about showing how just tricky these situations are and kind of how truth, the meaning of truth can fall away when such just awful accusations are thrown at a person. Because um, everyone who, everyone in this movie I feel like is acting reasonably, right? Like when teachers hear of these accusations, they are, they try their best. They're like, okay, we're going to go to the cops. We're going to talk about this. We're going to bring someone in to interview the little girl. We're doing all the, we're doing all the right things here. And I think all the people want to do the right thing and say like, okay, we cannot let this happen if it's true. Um, but you see how that slowly morphs into uh, something much more sinister. And that's kind of where the title comes into play later on. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, I wouldn't call it a slow burn, but there's just so much tension in here that's within scenes that aren't really, but you aren't really, there's not really much going on except people just talking. So it's just, it's just really terrific. Yeah, no, certainly. And it is, um, it is, I just want to reference back to what you said, um, where he is, where Vinterberg is just really good at being able to keep you, keep you locked in, even just, I, I think movies, similar to this style where say say you have two people chatting for four or five minutes on end i think a lot of people would maybe tune out from time to time but he really keeps you in on every word and and for me even like for more than for more than usual films that that kind of followed that approach i was just locked in wanting to see what's going to happen here what what's what's this character going to say to matt smickelson how's he going to respond because everything you don't really feel like you're walking on eggshells per se but you do feel like everything now has implications everything now has consequences and that's what is most uh, engaging about this film yeah it's it's a lot of people trying to make sense of this really complicated um issue and it's it's also it's this movie's also about kind of a manhunt in a sense but it's also and this is ties really well to another round it's all it's a movie about male bonding really because the main conflict is between mads mickelson and um the 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 kid's uh, father and i can't remember the guy the actor's name but he's great and he was also in another round mm-hmm. um but the movie is really built around their conflict and how they were best buddies for their entire lives and now that even this accusation has been thrown thrown at mads's way it's kind of about uh how do you really know this person and what do what do these kind of words how do they change your your perception of people regardless of whether they're true or not and um it's really it's really it's funny to see like this really kind of downbeat version of that and then you see uh them just going out and drinking in their next movie and having a great time there's definitely uh, i i i would like to think they're kind of in the same universe kind of like what we talked about with run and searching like they're these two guys two best buddies who are going through their kind of middle adult lives together you know and i mean matt's because i mean he's he's an educator in both right he works within education field in both films yeah it's true yeah he's a high school teacher another round there you go it is very cool um but yeah so that's that's the hunt i mean for me that's pretty much it um it was Ooh, great can I, I talk mean, about can i talk about the ending real quick oh yeah we gotta talk yeah so yeah. i don't want to i don't want to spoil that here mm-hmm. but um i watched the uh so i got this on blu-ray and the blu-ray has uh, a special feature has an alternate ending to the movie and i guess all i'll say is i'm really happy they went with the ending they went with in the actual movie okay because i would compare have you seen the um the alternate ending to get out yeah where it's um the cops come and then um daniel Kaluuya's character is taken off to jail right yeah i have yeah. and this is 
I would kind of compare the ending of the hunt to that where it's, it's the ending you expect to happen. That's all I'll say. Okay. And then, but I'm really happy they did a little bit of a twist on it in the actual movie. Cause the ending to... of the ending of the, the actual ending is unbelievable. Yeah. Maybe we'll try to find that on YouTube, but yeah, no, you're right. The ending is something that leaves you thinking, right. It leaves you with a final statement that this movie's trying to give. Right. And uh, the ending's really good. It is. So yeah, I'm glad yeah, you it's just, mentioned that. Yeah. And just, this will never ever leave these characters and especially Matt. It's just a, it's a really, I think it's a really, it's like a good exclamation point on a, terrific movie certainly 100 percent um great pick this week for sure we'll be back next week 100 percent um probably some more godzilla kong rampage into the box office we'll see someone else's um recommendation obviously uh and it's gonna be great so yeah let's just keep getting our vaccines and let's hopefully uh, we, we keep see things keep seeing things get better thanks again nick for coming on always a pleasure brennan Certainly. And you can check out our content always on our YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, always. And then at themoviebabble.com. Check that out. We got some great stuff. Um, as always with the Movie Babble podcast, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much.